Welcome into the bank, a show which covers the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL. The bank is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Welcome to the bank. It's uh, Tuesday, November 29th. We're past Thanksgiving. We're a couple days past the Ravens uh, blowing another uh, uh, lead in the fourth quarter at home versus Jacksonville. I'm with my colleagues, Jamie Seek and Mike Fast. Uh, we're going to try and uh, discuss what we saw the other day. Uh, so <laughs> let's just get into it. So coming out of the bye, the Ravens had their kind of middling game versus Carolina. And then they lost the game Sunday they should have had versus uh, Jacksonville. So sticking with Sunday's loss versus Jags, uh, Jamie, give us your take on what, what we saw and where you are with this roster. Um, well, let's hear. There's there's how I felt on Sunday evening, and there's having 36 hours to digest it a little bit. And you know, you we felt really good about the team coming out of the bye. I think they felt like they were starting to build some momentum. Um, you're starting to see some return to health, and you know, you touched on the Carolina game. We're not going to beat that up. We we all saw that was as you said a middling performance. But, you know, Jacksonville was an interesting opponent for the simple fact that even though their record was three and seven, they had a positive point differential. They played a bunch of close games. They, they have some talent there, but it was still a game the Ravens should have won and were in a position to win despite, uh, some offensive struggles at times throughout the game. They had a two possession lead in the fourth quarter and, and again, the defense couldn't seem to put it away. Uh, the thing that I left this game with was the, the Ravens are a solid team, but at this point they are not a Super Bowl caliber team and they have time to get the, the train back on the tracks. But until I see this team play four quarters of good football at once, I, I just, I, I have a hard time or I'm not, not I have a hard time. I can't put them in the conversation with Kansas city, Buffalo and Miami. They're, 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 they're a notch below them until they prove otherwise. Mike, uh, same question, your take on what we saw and kind of where you are with the roster. I was really in disbelief to be honest with you. I, I, it's not that I was taking Jacksonville for granted, but I, I would just think that, if the Ravens were going to blow a fourth quarter lead again, it would be to an Allen or a Mahomes or, you know, a Burrow or someone like that. Trevor Lawrence is not at that level. And he proceeded to march down the field on that last drive and really pick him apart. And so I was, like Jamie said, I'm still, you know, however many hours later, still kind of processing it. But I was really in shock. Uh, the thing that gets me, especially as a coach, just – Getting the play calls in and taking so long to do that is, is completely unacceptable. You really, you know, you're dealing with a short deck in terms of, you know, Stanley's been in and out. The receiver issues have been well documented. Um, the running back seemed to change almost every couple of weeks. So, you know, you don't have a lot of margin of error. So why at all would you still at this point in the season now we're entering week 
But 13, we still don't know how to consistently get plays in. You're setting your guys up for failure. So that needs to change. Now, as Harbaugh alluded to, they're going to look at everything similar to the um, strength and conditioning kind of reevaluation they went through this past offseason. So hopefully it yields similar prompt results. But I was shocked and then really just frustrated that, again, the Ravens beat a team that they should have won, like you said. And then also, who knows that this tiebreaker comes into effect, you know, against them. It wins a co- versus common opponent, probably, I'd say, that their contenders are going to have beaten the Jaguars. So hopefully it doesn't come to that. But just really just, just frustrated. Yeah, frustrated is a good word. Uh, get you know, one second, Jamie. Just my, my general take was, as Jamie said, the Jacksonville had talent. I've been saying it on Sports Tonight during the year. Said it on the board. Thought they could be a playoff team next year, but this is a game this year, this week. The Ravens needed to win, and um, you know there is a level of parity in the league that we're all aware of, and from the best to the worst, any given Sunday, it's about matchups and availability. Again, dealing with availability issues, uh, some areas. But bottom line is the Ravens had a lead. They had a chance to close that game out. It was third and 21 <laughs> there on that last uh, last drive after the Campbell sack, and the C, uh Jacksonville march down the field with that, you know, prevent prevent the win defense was really annoying. <laughs> that, that was just uh, that was a tough watch. Obviously, no Hamilton, no Marcus Williams. Ravens should, you know, they'll be getting both of them back. You know, that would obviously make a difference in that game there or a similar scenario. But it's a it was a missed opportunity. It's not the end of the world, but it was a missed opportunity. And as we'll get to later in the show, we're talking about kind of the bigger picture where the Ravens are. There's a, you know, there's seating position, even if you get into the playoffs. And to Jamie's larger point about uh, where he feels the Ravens are in the overall echelon of teams, where I'll agree is the hard part is, while I can picture the Ravens beating any team, I do have a hard time picturing the Ravens beating multiple good teams successively and and being able to put games completely together because they just, um, in some facets, beat themselves. And and Mike mentioned, you know, one of the issues there with getting the plays in late. And some of that is obviously by design. They're trying to go late into the uh, uh, into their into the call there. But to every game, have that to have the penalty in the first half, and then have two or three more instances during the game where they almost had it again. It's just, it's unfavorable to see that week after week. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The, the, and, it, and it seems that that happened in the red zone. The, the penalties are occurring in the red zone where they're already having struggles. Um, uh, saw something today that for the season, well, it was they did it actually through three quarters of the game on Sunday. Um, the Ravens lead the league in in plays where the ball is snapped with three seconds or less left on the play clock. Um, it's about 35% of their snaps, the ball is snapped with three seconds or less remaining on the play clock. And, again, it's been – they look, they substitute a lot. They do a lot of motion. But you can't continue to have a situation where your quarterback is standing there clapping like a maniac trying to get the ball snapped. 
because then the play, it's just not going to be right. And you can see when that ball gets snapped late sometimes that just the dynamics of the play just look off and everything's off. And especially in the red zone, again, where they're struggling, you can't continue to have these, these operation errors, I guess, operational errors. These are things that should be handled. But this has been an issue for this offense, not just this year, but they've had this in previous years too. You know, they do have to speed it up. So at what point are they going to do it? <laughs> at what point will they do it? Uh, Mike, Greg Roman, he's getting plenty of abuse locally. Fire Greg Roman was trending on Twitter Sunday. Uh, 11 games into this 22 season. How do you feel? I'm going to flip it, though, to how do you feel about Mike McDonald's first year as a defensive coordinator? It's been up and down. I'd say probably incomplete would be my kind of blanket assessment, but more specifically, I feel like he has done fairly well. A lot of what he was wanting to do, I think, I don't have direct knowledge, obviously, of this, but I, I can kind of surmise that what a lot of what he was trying to do was contingent upon having more than just Adapa Ele as your pass rusher. Now they're getting Tyus Bowser back. Make their trade for Roquan Smith. David Ajabo is coming any minute, hopefully. Um, Justin Houston's playing great. So now, in the last, say for this past game, probably the last, what, four weeks before, they were showing a lot of promise on the defensive side of the ball. Kyle Hamilton's come to be the highest graded safety in football by PFF. Um, a lot of those communication lapses were smoothed out. Again, save for a Jacksonville game. So he had a very rough start. He got much better, coincidentally, when his talent got better. Um, but, you know, he still has to make the calls and organize it. So you just still have to give him some credit. But this past week, you know, like you said, Chris, it's a prevent to win defense. And their only option is to, is to do what they just did. And so the Ravens should know, even if you're without Marcus Williams and Kyle Hamilton, regardless of who's in there, they're in the same meetings as those guys. So they should know. And to not to allow those guys to get all that they got is pretty striking. It's pretty stark because they're not on the same level as I, I think it was Jamie was just alluding to, or no, maybe you, Chris, um, when we talk about could they beat any team? Yes. But can they beat these teams consistently? Well, not right now, because they're not on the same level talent-wise as a Miami. You know, we talk about matching up first receivers or a Buffalo. So that's that's alarming to me. Uh, Jamie, just, you know, take on McDonald. I, I like Mike's thought they're kind of incomplete. Um, but where are you of what you've seen and uh, going forward here? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a work in progress. I I think it's tough to make an assessment on a coordinator, you know, a, a new coordinator after you know only only eleven games. Uh, there's definitely been some uh, some bright spots, and it's like there are, and it's sort of um, and kind of like the team in microcosm. There have been moments of performance, but then those are marred by these breakdowns and. Going to Sunday specifically, for example, and Chris, you mentioned the third and twenty-one play, and uh, I mentioned this in um, in the uh, in the piece I sent sent to you. 
if you look at the defensive alignment on the third and 21 and you pause it right before the snap, there are the four down linemen and Marlon Humphrey about six, seven yards off the ball, right about the numbers and no other defender in the screen. Now it's third and 21, not fourth and 21. So that means you have six defenders that are more than 10 yards beyond the line of scrimmage. So you're allowing Jacksonville's receivers to have a free release of the line of scrimmage. And then they allowed Christian Kirk to catch the ball with no one within three yards of him at the 26-yard line. And he dove to the 30-yard line to get it to fourth and manageable, fourth and five. How is defensive coordinator, could you think that was the proper call there? Particularly when the same defense in the third quarter held Jacksonville to 17 yards on three drives and had a turnover. What's uh, what's the yeah. philosophy there? What's the idea there? Just play it straight up. I, I, mean, I, I don't even understand that. And now, again, it's micromanaging. It's one thing. And I don't necessarily think this is a Ravens problem either. I think it's a league problem. Look around the league. Look at the Buffalo-Detroit game on Thanksgiving. How many points were scored in the last two minutes of that game? How many times did the lead swing back and forth? Look at the AFC playoffs last year with the Buffalo-KC game. It's a league-wide problem. Now, I don't know whether it's, you know, defensive coordinators are just scared of getting beat over the top or, you know, the, the way the rules are. They want to play off this, that, and the other. But it's really wild when you look around the league and see how how much scoring is occurring in the last two minutes of the game and the last two, you know, last two minutes of the half and the last two minutes of the game. But, you know, it... So, in other words, to sum it all up, Mike McDonald, work in progress. I think there's promise there. I'd like to see him with a full complement of players and see what happens. Yeah, uh, very fair. I can only judge uh, so much. 11 games in, we'll give him at least a full season to judge. Want to see the full complement of players. I do think as the Ravens get healthy and has have got healthier and the addition of Smith, the defense is pretty Talented at all three levels, and there should be a, a certain level of production that we expect uh, down the stretch here. How they perform, particularly in the four division games, will be interesting to me. Obviously, there's a lot more to being a coordinator than calling out the uh, uh, whatever uh, what I question there with the uh, play calling down the stretch. But what I will say is how you judge any professional is mistakes happen. You don't want to see the same mistakes happen again and again. Correct mistakes. <laughs> like, make an adjustment. Uh, you know, so to see that happen again, that was pretty alarming. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, so, the Ravens entered Sunday fifth in offensive DVOA. Again, for those not familiar, that is football outsiders. Uh, what, what they use... Uh, their statistic there, uh, it's all-encompassing. The fifth overall offensive DVOA as of Sunday, despite largely being without Bateman, Dobbins, Edwards, and Stanley. That means they've been productive overall on offense. Obviously, we see they've been struggling in the red zone pretty much all year, uh, except from you know the first initial weeks. And right now, Jackson is not elevating the guys that are available. So your thoughts on the offense, and what do you want to see from this group over the remaining uh, six games, Jim? 
Um, you know, it's it's really a, a collective. Uh, well, I guess everybody has a hand in the struggles um, from the quarterback to the skill position guys to the coaching staff. Um, of course, you know, Sunday touched off, a, you know, a, a whole bunch of Lamar critique on social media. And then when the pro football focus grades came out, Lamar Jackson actually was the highest rated quarterback of the week for pro football focus, despite, you know, because they look at what uh, plays that should be made. They look at turnovers that aren't made and factor those into grades. So, you know, I think with this offense, what's so difficult and why, like, the the overthrow to Demarcus Robinson on the opening drive that not only is a play is that a play that should be made but that's also a cut that's a momentum shifter if you go on the road and score a long touchdown on the opening drive like that that's the kind of thing that you do that knocks a a, a team that you know let's face it, they're three and seven they're kind of those guys know their season's pretty much over they're professionals but if you get up on them early you know they're probably going to you know, back off a little bit, maybe not overtly, but either way, this offense doesn't throw the ball enough. So the opportunities are limited. And that that's why the misses that Jackson have had are magnified when this, because the scope of the passing game is smaller, the mistakes look bigger. It's not, and it's not all Jackson. Of course, you know, every quarterback misses throws. Jackson has missed some throws, but also he had, what five six drops on Saturday? Rough, or excuse me, on Sunday, roughly. Um, the running backs have not been very effective the last two weeks. I, I know uh, Sunday the running backs averaged well below four yards a carry, so Jackson really buoyed the running game. The running backs didn't do great against Carolina because they made a concerted effort to stop the run. So that's something to watch going forward. That you know, it'd be nice if Dobbins. I heard. You know, Coach said Harbaugh said Dobbins is going to practice on a limited basis. Um, you know Edwards looked looked okay, but you know Kenyon Drake and Justice Hill were non-factors. Um, if this thing is going to work, it can't just be, you know, Jackson drop back to throw, everything breaks down, and he runs for eight yards. That can't be every game. That can't be how the running game works. So I know they. Football Outsiders is looking at everything, and of course they're breaking film down way more extensively than we are. But just from an eye test, from a from somebody who watches every game intently, there's just something not clicking with the offense right now, and I, I just can't quite put my finger on it. Whether it's you know what Roman's calling when, whether it's receivers dropping a ball at a bad time, whether it's you know the the running game not being able to get on track, it, it's just all not white clicking but it's not terrible and as some people have this is kind of the sentiment sort of making its way around social media too it kind of feels like 2012 when cam cameron ended up with his ouster it was like the offense it wasn't that it was terrible but like just something wasn't quite right and like it needed a fresh set of eyes and you know and and again roman has done done plenty of good things while he's here but you know maybe they just need a fresh set of eyes on the playbook Something just to change. It's just a different voice. I don't know. And Mike, uh, you know, same thing. Thoughts on the offense. What do you want to see over the remaining six games? Well, I was thinking about that this question earlier today, and I was thinking, you know, all things considered, you score 27 points in a game, you should probably win most games. 
a lot of times why I, I kind of do that where I, I just, how did this happen? How did they lose? And I say, wait a minute, I just in a vacuum, if the Ravens scored 27 points a game, they should probably win most games. All right. Well, especially against a team like Jacksonville. So it, like, it's, it's weird. It's like Jamie is saying, for all their faults and all the you know missed opportunities, they're still actually in good shape um, statistically. But there is that kind of unspoken. Uh, I wouldn't call it broken, but it's 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 there's some there's some uh, bumps in the road that need to be smoothed out, so to speak. And I don't know what those are. I feel like it's got to be a communication thing because I don't think it's talent. I think I don't think it's scheme because the schemes worked, but I think something is just yet yeah, maybe it's becoming stale, like Jamie said, or I, I just because the elements are there. It's just the way they're going about implementing those elements uh, is becoming um, either stale or people are losing focus. So, yeah, I don't think there's really much they can do outside of making a change i'm not advocating for that but i just think at this point in the season trade deadlines gone the buys done they kind of are who they are um you know i gotta say a a a change uh uh you know moving out roman would really surprise me uh in season because this offense has been tailored to to jackson this is what they ran you know, with, you know, Kaepernick and uh, the other Harbaugh ran in uh, Frisco. And, like, they've tailored the team to this. Like, I, I don't, you know, you're going to bring in somebody else in season. I don't well, know how Chris, you're really adjusting to that. <laughs> I mean, I let, I mean I, lest I, we forget. James, James Urban, just because he's, I know there's always there, him and Lamar seem like this. But, yeah. yeah Jamie, thing. where are you going? I mean, I mean the the blueprint is late for this. If you want to go back to 2012, you, you, they promoted Jim Caldwell. The playbook didn't change. He just called it a little bit differently. The system can remain in place. I mean, those offensive coaches, whether it's Keith Williams or T. Martin or James Urban, as you said, Mike, they're all there. They know the system. They know the playbook. Again, maybe it's you know maybe it would just take somebody else looking at it and saying, okay, well we're gonna maybe use some of these concepts or, you know, Chris, you and I talk about the, when they go to the diamond pistol, how effective that is. We didn't see that at all on Sunday. I mean, they can do so much out of that formation. I don't understand why they continue to move away from it when it's effective because the way that Obviously we're in a, we're in a passing, we're in a passing error. The Ravens are kind of a, an anomaly with how they run, but they also are utilizing fullback more than, Pretty much every team, they're utilizing the multiple tight end sets more than most teams, right? Mm-hmm. And that that they want to have as their core focus. Now, as uh, Lofton on the telecast the other day, CBS, and he mentioned, you know, hey, you're not running these uh, larger wide receiver sets, and you've got all these uh, uh, DBs out there that you're facing. Maybe you need to uh, have, you know, more sets like that. So I, I get that, but I, I guess – it's to me. It's not even that I'm a, a huge Roman fan. I just feel like if you're going to make that change, it probably needs to be in the off season. But you know, your point is well taken that's there. Fair. Uh, your point is well taken there, Jamie. But I guess the other part I would have 
and I, I said the other day in the write-up, so if you go back, Roman, Morningwig, Trespin, Kubiak, Caldwell, Cameron, Neuheisel, Fassel, Kavanaugh. Uh, it Billick. seems to, Don't forget, Philip was the offensive coordinator for a little bit. <laughs> it, it feels to me that the it's been kind of a uh, cherished pastime in Baltimore to pretty much dislike whatever coordinator we, we've we've had, maybe with reason. You know, haven't really had a whole uh, a whole with lot the exception of, of Kubiak. Really. Except I mean, for Kubiak, yeah. That's what I said in the in the article. He was, yeah. you know, he was the only one I can remember that was that ever generally liked. Uh, and if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be fair to Roman again, DVOA is not everything, but uh, by that measuring, at least by points, it's been a productive offense this year. You still you've been this is without your best receiver. Um, who's been out for most of the year, without your two best running backs for most of the year, and your left tackle has been out, in and out of the lineup. So, like, I mean, I think that has to at least be accounted, like, when we're talking about the offense, I mean, I think that has to be, I don't know, given and some I, weight. <laughs> and I think that's why it's so, why it's weird, why it's like this, it's just this gnawing feeling as a, a fan and somebody that, you know, and an armchair analyst, like, all those things do matter. Of course, Chris, you're right. I wonder, you know, assume, you know, if Stanley can get back for me, Dobbins, I think is the key because you're yeah. looking at a team right now that just, I mean, let's call it what it is outside of Jackson. They don't have any real playmakers on the offense. And when I say playmaker, you know what I mean? Somebody that can take over games. Somebody that the other team says, man, we've got to stop him. Jackson is uh, it, and Jackson hasn't quite been – he hasn't been, you know, that otherworldly Jackson that we see – that we saw really the first three weeks of the season he was outstanding in the, you know, in the MVP conversation. He's been right. – I, I mean, I, I, we got to mention Andrews, but I largely agree with you. I mean, we went into the year talking about – Bateman and Dobbins, can they be? Can we end the year with them being, you know, the two best, you know, playmakers on on, mm-hmm. on the offense? And obviously, and unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. and we've lost Dobbins, kind available. of. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, but but what I will say, uh, the flip side of that is Jackson has to elevate the players that are here, <laughs> and. They're and particularly in in the red zone. They have to be more proficient than they've been. <laughs> uh, you know that's it. And uh, even if they like use, utilizing the multiple tight end sets and having the fullback, and I I like that probably more than most. Uh, sometimes you got to adjust and do something else, or at least give give <laughs> give other looks. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, so. We're all going to continue to have thoughts there. Uh, running a little late, so we're going to go through a couple of quick uh, questions here, kind of rapid fire on you guys. So the Ravens are 7-4. and four. Remaining games, Denver at home this weekend, at Pittsburgh, at Cleveland, Atlanta at home, Pittsburgh at home, and then finish the year at Cincinnati. Currently, they are the fourth seed in the AFC. They would face Buffalo at home with the playoffs began today. What? It's going to be the Ravens' ending record, Mike. Just, uh, just the record, and uh, that's it. What's going to be the record? Eleven and seven, four and two in the division. 
11 and 6 and 4 4 Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Eleven and six. Yeah, eleven and six. Four and two. Division. Okay. And Jamie, what about you? Where, where are they going to finish? Oh God. Um, I, you know, I, I still think they'll get to twelve wins. Uh, I, I, I think the competition is just that that they won't falter against the teams they should beat. So I think the, but the key though, and where I could go with Mike is again, what happens because they still got three road games in the division. So I think a yeah. lot's going to come down to, is that Cincinnati game going to matter? You know, so uh, I think, I think, it, I think it will, at least in terms of Cincinnati making the playoffs, I think the Ravens are going to well, win I mean, the division. For the Ravens, yeah. like if they're locked into winning the division, I, how are they going to play it? You know, mm-hmm. um, that that's, I think going to be, that could be a determining factor in their division record and so on. But you know, yeah, I, I think the Ravens are gonna have. I think the Ravens are gonna have the division. Uh, the only thing I think that game could matter is in terms of uh, seeding overall. Uh, you know, but I'm gonna go 11 and six as well. I, I, I that is where the Jacksonville game it feels pretty costly. Uh, it, it's that other. It's that other win that you should have in the bank. Uh, the reason I'm going 11 and six is just there with the four division games, I feel like, yeah, they're, they're bound to have a game or two, the, the, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, take care of business with Denver, start with that. So let's get to that uh, real quick. The Ravens host the Broncos this weekend. Jamie, give us the uh, preview of the Ravens offense versus the Broncos defense. Well, here we've been, uh, you know, beating on the offense for a little bit. And, uh, you know, again, it's a, it's a very – uh, odd thing because the, the, a lot of the stats say one thing, the eye test says another thing, but it seems like they're still capable and the potential is still there. Now, from a matchup standpoint for a struggling offense, the Denver Broncos defense is not really the one you want to see. Um, there was uh, talk before the beginning of the season about how good of a run defense they could be, and they're living up to that. They're, they're I think, third in the league in uh, yards allowed, rushing yards allowed. They're, they're pretty good pass defense, too, and not a ton of household names. Uh, you know, Bradley Chubb, of course, talented defensive end with five and a half sacks. And, uh, they just drafted, uh, you know, I know I'm getting old when Patrick Sertain, the second is now, in, is now in the NFL. It makes me, uh, makes me feel a little bit old. But uh, other than that, again, not a ton of household names, but a, but just a really solid defense, you know, a really solid defensive team. And I think the Ravens are going to have some challenges, but, you know, I think, you know, being at home, take care of the football, you know, hopefully, because of the way Denver's offense has struggled, the Ravens should get plenty of opportunities to possess the ball and make some things happen. So even though Denver's run defense is very good, I think for this team to do what they need to do offensively, they need to establish a run. And that's going to be getting the running backs going. Um, even though Gus Edwards is the better of the health, is the best of the healthy backs, I think I'd like to see Kenyon Drake and Justice Hill get a few more touches just to mix things up. Uh, you know, get Justice Hill the ball and that little, that little speed draw that they were doing against Carolina that kind of got things going and Hill can use his shiftiness just to give a different look. And, and then maybe Edwards can play a little bit more in the second half where, where he can be that, that closer where we saw him in years past when you know, Gus Edwards is coming downhill. He's he's a tough guy to tackle. So if you can get the run game going against a tough run defense, that will set you up some play-action opportunities. And 
the Ravens need to hit on some of those chunk plays because they haven't had a lot of them. So I, I'm, uh, uh, I'm, I'm nervous about that matchup. I don't think the Ravens' offense matches up well with, the Dem- with Denver's defense at this point, but I hope they prove me wrong. Mike, uh, flip to the other side, Broncos' offense versus the Ravens' defense. I think this matchup comes down to pass rush, both obviously the Ravens' uh, pass rush and the Broncos' ability to protect against the pass. Um, real quick, Jamie, the, uh, just a reminder, Bradley Chubb is thankfully now in Miami. So Ravens oh, did I, oh God, I, I completely forgot. Yeah, it's okay. Oh, no, it's, he was Can you edit time, that out so. in post? Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> So, um, oh, I misheard you, Jamie. I thought I, I thought you said uh, Chubb was <laughs> Chubb was gone. I was sorry, but I, yeah, I missed that okay. as well. But, oh, I so meant to, I meant the, the cuss word that I did too. You know, all the all the more reason to hit on those trunk play, hit on those trunk plays, and Thanks, you should have a little more time. But no, for the Ravens, uh, they rank fifth in the league, and you know we talked earlier, we alluded to earlier how they were, you know, Mike McDonald. How's he doing? Well. He's kind of starting to get his full complement of guys, at least in the front seven. Uh, even through that kind of uh, rocky road, so to speak, in the beginning of the season, ranked fifth in sacks, 35 on the year. And the Broncos ranked fourth in sacks allowed, the 36. So there's, the Ravens should get home pretty often. And Russell Wilson is not by any means a scrambler. He used to be. His accuracy is not good. Um, his receivers are hurt. Most of them, there is that is, um, I believe Cortland Sutton's still good to go. So that's going to be uh, a test. He reminds me of a T. Higgins in terms of stature, playmaking. Not an absolute burner. Plenty, plenty of speed though. Some someone you definitely want to look for. Um, he's going to primarily look to extend drives, move the chains, and then hit you over the top, maybe with a double move. So be interesting to see how Mike McDonald matches up on him. Uh, Kyle Hamilton would be the perfect guy to have over top of him. But, you know, we'll see how Hamilton's health progresses throughout the week. Um, overall, I mean, I think, again, the talent's there. It's not a question. And I, and I wrote in, in my piece earlier how previewing this game, it's not a question of who's better. The Ravens are by far the better team. They, <laughs> and I joked, they should be 11-0. Seven times they beat other teams. Four times they beat themselves. They won against themselves. So the communication has got to get figured out. And I got a little worried in the end of Jacksonville where Marcus Peters started throwing his hands up and doing stuff he was doing earlier in against the Bills and Dolphins. It got me a little bit of flashback. So hopefully that stuff gets worked out and um, it's just guys being competitive. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think all in all, Ravens at home, they're in December. They traditionally start to peak now. So I'm going to give them benefit of the doubt and say they're going to be good to go on Sunday. We're going to use that to wrap up the show uh, this week. Uh, Mike and Jamie both sent me articles today. We'll get them up on the site tomorrow when you're uh, listening to that game preview from uh, Mike and uh, some thoughts uh, from Jamie. So check those out. Come join the discussions at the site, BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com, Ravens and NFL, and follow these guys on Twitter at whatever they are. You can figure it out. We'll post it on the <laughs> on our site uh, uh, tomorrow. Uh, it's Steph. Take care. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week, hopefully, if a Ravens win.